You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're about to officially eclipse the halfway mark of the UFC's ongoing trip to Abu Dhabi tomorrow night with UFC Fight Island 5 with an excellent main event that could answer some questions in a very interesting 135-pound title picture. With that, we welcome you to the UFC Fight Island 5 preview show for MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, being joined by our boots on the ground in Abu Dhabi, Jose Youngs, and the Prince of Positivity, big fan of jet skis, Alex K. Lee. Jose, Marlon Marais versus Corey Sanhagen, the main event tomorrow night at 135 pounds. This is one of those headliners that is been universally praised since it became official and we didn't get your take on this but we asked this question on between the links so i am interested to get your your stance on this we have piotr jan as the bantamweight champion aljamain sterling is the number one contender in pretty much everybody's mind but in the ufc's eyes is he that's an important question heading into this fight so i ask you kind sir what do you feel is at stake in tomorrow night's main event uh, the winner gets to face TJ Dillashaw. That is what is at stake right now. I think Aljamain Sterling gets Piotr Jan. I think that makes the most sense, mostly because Aljamain and him have been going back and forth for so long. And Dana White has said Aljamain's most likely next, this and that. They have the history on Twitter, like I said. Uh, and what Aljamain has going for them is Piotr Jan said in his post-fight interview, he goes, Aljamain Sterling's probably next after Piotr Jan defeated Jose Aldo. TJ Dillashaw is, of course, uh, eligible to come back sometime in January. Uh, if Marlon gets to fight him or Corey Sanhagen gets to fight him, I think beating him is a, is a lock to get another, to probably get, actually, no, I think the winner of the TJ versus Marlon Corey Sanhagen fight is most likely would face the winner of Piotr Jan Alzerman Sterling. Uh, maybe they, they could even put it on the same card for all I care, but, uh, I think that's, what's at stake. Unless Marlon Moraes just goes out there and like Capoeira kicks, uh, Corey Sanhagen into on some into the moon or like Gogol Plattison or some absurd, absurd move. Uh, he might just skip the line, uh, considering he already beat Aljamain Sterling violently. And let's not forget, he signed a contract to fight Peter Yan and went to Kazakhstan, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, and he beat Jose Allo, the man that Peter Yan beat to get the title. So, uh, but I think the winner of Marlon and Corey Sagan will most likely fight TJ Dillashaw when he returns. And the winner of that will fight the winner of Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. AK, before we move on to the fight itself and more of the ins and outs of this event tomorrow night, I, I'm always interested to get your take on your degree of difficulty scale heading into these cards. The ceiling this card could reach on paper if all goes according to plan. So what is that number for you this week? Um, I'm not going to play around too much. I think I would say the number is the same as last week. I said last week could have been a six out of six. Uh, and, uh, I think it lived up to that, which is a good thing. That's a good sign. Like that sounds like insulting, like, oh, at the most it could have been is like a six, but like, that's pretty good. So I think last week lived up to expectations this week. I think the same, actually, I think you've got two compelling, uh, uh, a main event and a co-main event. And I think you've got some sneaky depth. I'd say in terms of name recognition and might be even lower than last week, if that's possible. Um, just, you know, we were going over the card earlier and uh, a lot of fighters either making their debut or competing uh, in the UFC for like the second time. But that's OK. Sometimes, you know, this is how this is how stars are made. And this is one of those classic cards where people will say it was good. You know, you, you didn't see it coming just like that. You know, just like that. These these kinds of cards always do. They always deliver and you don't expect it. So I won't go that far. But, but I will say my expectations are pretty low. Um, with respect, to, uh, so a six. I think it could be a, a 6.0. That's the degree of difficulty. And if it nails that, it should, it should be proud of that. And I think I think there's there is certainly the talent to do so. 
As far as the main event goes, AK, this is a really fun stylistic matchup. You got Marlon Marias, who's the number one ranked 135 pounder. It's his first fight since the Jose Aldo fight, which a lot of people thought Jose Aldo won, but Marias did get the split decision and in the winner's money. Corey Sanhagen lost to Jamal Emmers at LFA five in 2017 and then he went on a runoff seven straight wins before getting submitted in the first round by Aljamain Sterling at UFC 250 so he's looking to get back on track so when you look at this fight what sticks out to you as you try to break this one down in your mind well I want to say first that uh we're talking about like guys leaping into the television of course Aljamain Sterling is should be the undisputed number one contender but and we said (laughs) you know what if Marish beats him spectacular but hey what if Corey Sandhagen Capoeira kicks him Against a cat, you know, I mean, it, that would be crazy, and I think that would get people going like, hmm, you know, maybe San Hagen is in the mix, and maybe that puts him back on the short list for it. And so, I don't think that will happen, uh, not just the finish, but him uh, leapfrogging uh, either Marais or uh, Aljamain Sterling. But again, crazier things have happened. I'm just saying, be prepared for that. But uh, on paper, it's it's so hard not to, uh, not to, uh, you know, buy into this narrative that I think a lot of people have with now that he's a very fast starter and 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 you know can drag a little bit in later rounds but it's a it's a bed that he has made himself i would i would th- i would say i think people would agree we saw it um again a little bit in the in the aldo fight where i felt like you know maybe, maybe um a fade a little bit in the third and also definitely of course the henry cejudo fight where he started off gangbusters looks like he looked like he's going to blow henry cejudo out of the water and become the band of champion and cejudo is just such a great fighter so so steely uh outlasted him so uh i think sanhagen is going to I would imagine his camp would be going with that same kind of game plan. I, I know he's an aggressive fighter. He's a fight finisher himself. But when you're dealing with a guy uh, as talented as, as Marais and as, uh, as powerful as he is, you don't want to – you really don't want to go, you know, tackle the bull like that head on. I think you want to be the matador. So uh, I think that is what we are going to see, a more methodical approach, especially with how poorly things went for uh, Sandhagen in his last fight. He just got, you know – just got blown out of the water by uh, by Aljamain Sterling. So I think we see a methodical approach. We see Marais trying to take him out early. Uh, I'll 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 save my pick for now while I while I think about it while we while we go back to uh, Jose possibly. Yes, because Jose is a big fan of he says this all the time high level martial arts competitions and we have one here. Both guys. Very complete fighter. Sandhagen, great with his movement, his ability to get in and out and mix things up. He's solid on the ground as well. And then you have Marais, who's just a powerhouse at 135, can finish fights with one shot. He's he's also a, a black belt under Ricardo Almeida, so he's he's very good and, and quite underrated if the fight hits the mat. So as you look at, Jose, you got two complete fighters here. If there's one intangible that one of these guys bring to the table that could be the overall difference in this fight in your eyes, what would it be? I think it's going to sound like a cop-out, but it's just experience. I mean, Marlon Marais has fought high-level opponents his, like for the last, what, 10 years? Uh, even he, he was fighting a World Series of Fighting, he was having these, like, he was preparing for five-round main events over and over and over and fighting the best that they offered. And then he hops right into the UFC, and he, he jumps right, like, what we're talking about Michael Chandler right now, or like when Justin Gaethje came, like, that was Marlon Marais. Like, he came in from World Series of Fighting, and he immediately got thrown into the mix with the Rafael Sunset fight. And yes, it came up short, but then after that, he rattled off all these wins over incredibly high level uh, fighters and let's not forget that first round against Henry Cejudo that he lost I think he could you can make an argument he won that round if if most people believe that and as John I think I think it was John McCarthy maybe I can't quite remember the ref he said that was one of the fastest like like display of strikes he's ever seen inside the octagons when Marlon Moraes and Henry Cejudo Cejudo threw down so uh, I just think Marlon could be 
the best bantamweight on planet earth. He just got beat by Henry Cejudo uh, in a fight that he was winning until I think, cause I interviewed him at the Dominic's media day. He said he just got tired and he just blew his load and uh, just felt like succumbed to his exhaustion. Uh, now he's at ATT now. He was at Mark Henry at the time. Uh, and I know our producer Casey's been saying it forever. Like Marlon could very well be the best bantamweight in the world. I also know you've been calling for Marlon Moraes versus Dominic Cruz for a very long time. I think this is as close as you're going to get besides those two fighting. Corey Sanhagen has made it known that Dominic Cruz is his favorite fighter and he mimics his style. At the media day, Marlon Moraes referred to Corey Sanhagen as a better version of Dominic Cruz. So this is this is an absolutely the definition of a high-level martial arts competition. All respect between the two, uh, but as Corey Sanhagen said, like, I don't view Marlon Moraes as a nice guy. I just view him as the opposition, and then we could be nice after. I just think Marlon's just maybe a step a step ahead of Corey at this point in their career. Corey, like in two three years, Corey could be the best man in the world. But right now, Marlon Moraes is the number one ranked bantamweight in the UFC rankings for a reason. He should probably be fighting. For, he should have got the title shot already uh, against Peter Yan over Jose Aldo. So I, I slightly lean Marlon Moraes just based on uh, the the not the physical tools, but the intangibles championship experience, uh, a high level of competition uh, and experience five round fights. And again, Marlon very well could be the best band weight walking planet Earth right now. Have, have you guys seen the odds for this fight? Yes, I have not. Sanhagen is favored. That's a he's little a, surprising. He's honestly. a minus 145 favorite. I, I did not. I literally just checked right now. I actually because I just I was going to make a point about uh, my kind of things you were just saying, Jose. Like, I think looking at all the factors, I would just, I assume people view him as a superior fighter. But apparently not. Apparently the right now the money is on. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know if this line moved. I didn't see the initial line. I just know right now. I think as of today sitting at minus 145 in favor of Corey Sandhagen, which is a little disrespectful to me. It's a little surprising considering uh Jose Aldo's coming off a win over many because he's the greatest featherweight of all time at bantamweight. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, it was a split. And a lot of people think Jose Aldo won, but his win is a win. And Corey lost, what, 90 seconds last time? It's a little, yeah, it's a little surprising. Honestly. Yeah. What did Marais do to lose the confidence I would, of the honestly, better? Honestly, I thought I, – I, what did what, you say it was? Minus what? Minus 145. So, I mean, not a huge favorite, I mean, but he's – No, I would, like, flip that. I would make Marlon minus 145. Right? And I would be like, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Peculiar. So, AK, as peculiar as that is, are you going with the favorite to bounce back here or the surprising underdog Marias to continue with his quest towards a second opportunity UFC title shot? I mean, I have to lean towards Marias. I mean, again, for, for me, it seemed I thought it was too obvious of a pick. I was going to you know, sort of preface my prediction by saying, yes, I know this seems seems like the clear choice on paper. I guess it's not. I guess uh, there's maybe uh, people know more than I do, which wouldn't be the first time. But, yeah, I think just skill for skill. As talented as Sanhagen is, uh, again, as as difficult as his style can be to deal with, um, I think Moraes is just so solid. I think he will get the finish early on. I guess I guess that's uh, sort of what would motivate that uh, betting the, or favoring Sanhagen is if you think that Moraes is going to get the finish, of course. Then I'm uh, sorry, if you think the fight will end uh, inside the distance, then you think it's Moraes by by finish by knockout or submission round one or round two. If you think it's going to go the distance, then I guess you would be leaning towards Sanhagen. You feel like maybe he he drops one of the opening two rounds, but over the course of 25 minutes, you know, kind of out, outranges um, Marais and frustrates him and maybe has a better gas tank. We don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of talking to my head why people pick hanging, but I have to lean towards Marais. I do think this this won't go the distance. So if that's the case, then, yeah, then I'm going with uh, with uh, Matt, the magic man to uh, to finish in. Uh, I'll say maybe the se- second uh, early in the third. 
Yeah, Jose is like in my brain right now, or maybe I'm in his because I, I agree with everything he's saying, the experience. And for those of you watching these preview shows over the last six or seven months, you know that when it comes to fights like these, if, if I think they're very close, I always lean with experience because that means a lot to me. So I do lean Marais here because of that slightly. Plus, you know, I look at things kind of from a competitive standpoint when I'm making picks as well. Like the dog odds make this much more enticing to me. But you have to believe if this thing's this thing gets to rounds four and five, that's when this fight's going to get really interesting. Marias has to make his presence felt and gain that respect early, but not so much as to kind of blow himself out early in the fight either. Because if that happens, Sanhagen has this ability to just pick him apart for as long as he wants. So I will go with Marlon to earn a close decision in a fight where I think that when it's over, Sanhagen's going to have a lot of momentum, but I think the comeback's just going to come a little bit too late. That's that, that's kind of how I see this fight playing out. But uh, the truck, sorry, sorry, Mike, the truck just sent me a screenshot of uh, just one more thing from the typology from reader predictions. Uh, 64% in favor of Marais, and most of them predicting a knockout win. So public sentiment and betting sentiment uh, not not apparently not lining up here. So this, I guess this could go either way, which is what you want from a competitive fight. This is exactly what we want for a main event. And then for a co-main event, we got another fun one. This one at 145 pounds. We get Edson Barboza looking to bounce back from a controversial decision loss to Dan Ige. He's taking on Makwan Amir Khani, who has won three of his last four. The one loss was to Shane Burgos at MSG in November. And then he bounced back with a beautiful anaconda choke finish of Danny Henry at UFC 251. Jose, we'll start with you. Barboza, big favorite here, looking to get his first win at 145 pounds in the UFC. Your thoughts on this matchup with Mr. Finland himself? I think it's a fantastic fight in a way of match, and, and just it's great matchmaking in general. Uh, I think Makwan Americani is, and no disrespect to him, I think he's an opponent that Edson Barbosa could have a showcase fight. I mean, you mentioned his, uh, Makwan Americani's loss and MSG to Shane Burgos. That was the definition of a beatdown. Like Shane, like that. If if that had stopped earlier in the fight, I no one would have complained because Shane Burgos basically beat the soul out of Makwan Americani until his body just shut down. The referee saved him. And then on the flip side, I was at Edson Barbosa's fight against Dan Hooker, and Dan Hooker was just too tough for his own good. He kept trying to fight, and Edson Barbosa just like you've seen three ninjas. Like it was like light up the dummy. That's basically what Edson Barbosa did to Dan Hooker for like. To like two and a half rounds, a round and a half, however long it lasted. And then Dan Hooker, literally his body just shut down from the onslaught. So given the fact that I've witnessed both of these fights live, Edson Barbosa just beat the soul out of Dan Hooker, who is an extremely high-level lightweight. And then Shane Burgos beat the soul out of Makwan Americani at Madison Square Garden. You have to lean toward Edson Barbosa. I think he beat Danny Gay in an extremely close fight. Edson Barbosa is one of the toughest fighters uh, I have ever seen in terms of durability, in terms of the ability to take damage. He's lost to some high-level high, high level fighters. So I think this is a fight that Edson Barbosa needs where he can really just put the beat down on someone, get more highlights, get get a spectacular win even, and then stone him right into the title contention again. And on the flip side, Mach 1 Americani, this is clearly the best the best opponent he's ever faced and win over Edson Barbosa does wonders for his career because uh, Edson Barbosa is 0-1 in the featherweight, but he's a huge name. He's very popular. He's exciting. So when, if he, if, if Mach one Americani is able to finish him biggest win to date, obviously, and that I think will launch him possibly into the top 10, top 15. If he's not already there, I don't know off the top of my head. So I like the style of matchmaking Mach one Americani 
asked for this fight initially. He wanted to fight Edson Barbosa before Dan Ige. And then they booked the Dan Ige fight, and then Mach Americana got his switch. He said he's a new fighter. He's burned a lot of bridges for people that are pulling him in the wrong directions and weren't looking out for his career. He's 100% focused on fighting again. If you watch his media day that I was at, he was very, was very chilling. Kind of had that serial killer vibe to him where he was just real soft-spoken, no smiling, all business. Like he, he's getting re- he's ready to fight. So uh, absolutely love this matchmaking, but I heavily favor Edson Barbosa in this fight. What do you think, AK? And then do you have a 90s movie to compare it to like Jose did? Because he busted out the three ninjas. That's going to be tough to beat. Boy, that was that was uh, that was reaching back. Uh, I man, I I I like this matchup for Amir Khan because this is so much of what he needed uh, to to break through. Where I mean, this is a guy who has everything you would want uh, in a star fighter. I mean, great looking guy. Uh, his fights are usually very exciting. Uh, he's got he's got some signature finishes. He's got a good reel you can put together. Very comfortable with the media. No 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 media shyness at all. That's for sure. He's not shy in the microphone. So he's got everything. He's he's stumbled in a couple of areas. For one, he only got he's only fought once in the U.S. as the Shane Burgos fight, which unfortunately did not go his way. So um, for a lot of people who might have been like their first time, their only chance first time seeing him live in the United States, it's kind of like oh well, what's the big deal with this guy? Um, and the second thing is he doesn't really have a signature win. I, I'm just looking at his record. I think Jason Knight. Uh, maybe his best win. Other than that, uh, as Jose mentioned, Edson Barbosa name rec- name value and resume wise leaps and bounds over anyone that Amir Khani has fought so far. So while yes, this could be a showcase for uh, Barbosa, at, at, especially since he's still looking for his first win at 145 pounds, it's just as much of an opportunity for Amir Khani to finally crack that top 15 uh, and and really kind of show why why he's been such a such a highly touted I don't you can't say prospect anymore highly touted potential contender um, and this this would bump him up there he's just outside he's not on the top fifteen he's I imagine would be just outside if you're keeping your own rankings um, I believe in mine he's probably in the top twenty five but uh, it's Barbosa is just such a tall order I mean this guy this guy is relentless and if Amir Khani shows any sort of those moments of like fading or those kind of moments where he's off in his fights any inconsistency. He's gonna get hurt. Uh, he might make it to the he might make it to the scorecards, but he's he might wish he he hadn't. Let me put it that way. Um, so be careful what you wish for Amirkani. Good for him. I'm glad he got this Barbosa matchup. Uh, but uh, boy, this this might be the one that uh, gets Barbosa back on track. Uh, and he's not and he hasn't been that far off track anyway in his last two fights. If we're being honest. So you're you're going Barbosa here, AK? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have tipped my cap. I have tipped my hand, as it were. So yes, my pick will be will very likely be Barbosa when I uh, unfurl my predictions. Jose, it sounds like you're leading Barboza as well. You're picking him. Does this thing get to the judges, yeah. or do you think he gets him out of there? No, I think in my mind, just like I said, the two fights, the the Barboza hooker fight and the Shane Burgos Americani fight, I don't think it's going to be like a flash knockout like uh, when Barboza did to Benil Darius with that flying knee. I think it's going to be more more one of those, uh, like an onslaught of hammers that Americani just succumbs to the punishment at some point. So TKO, uh, probably in the second half of round two. Yeah, I mean, th- this is big opportunity for Amir Khani, but I think, like Jose alluded to, this is a this could be a big remember me kind of performance for Ed- Edson Barboza. I mean, take the current losing streak out of it. The strength of schedule is just not even on the same continent here. Like Barboza has been in there with some of the best fighters on the planet. He's had some good wins along the way. The experience, the striking, his ground game is better than people give it credit for. He is a brown belt, but I, I think. His advantage is on the feet far away Americani's advantage on the ground. So I'll go with Edson. I think he gets it done, finishes in the second or third round. But uh, big opportunity for for both guys. 
Main car rounds out with Big Ben Rothwell versus Marcin Tybura. Marcus Perez welcomes former KSW multi-division champ Drikas Duplasse, Duplesse, something Drica, like that. Drikas <laughs> Duplessis, Duplessis. Duplessis, there we go. Middleweight bout, got that one. Tom Aspidal versus Alan Bodeau in a heavyweight scrap. And then uh, the opening main card fight, Yusuf Zalal taking on the unbeaten UFC newcomer, Aliyah Tapuria. Sneaky good card here, gentlemen, but... Uh, you know what time it is. It's under the radar time. Give love to the to, to those who need it. So, Jose, we'll start with you. What fighter, what fight sticks out to you on tomorrow night's card that you believe could steal the show? Well, I always usually name two or three, so I'll stick to just fighters in general. Uh, so I'll stick to that theme. Obviously, uh, Drigas Duplessis is as a extremely high level fighter. Uh, he's got the KS, KSW experience, he's got the K1 experience, he got the FC experience. So he's coming in like he's ranked 15 and 2 prospect in middleweight like it kind of I'm not comparing him to Israel Adesanya in terms of like star power or fighting ability, but like he's coming in with a already built resume that if he strings two wins together, two, three wins, he's top 15 already. And he said that uh, at the, at the media day, like he wins a couple, he's in that top 15. They don't start calling out fighters, uh, especially with the, how the bottom of the middleweight division is. They, it's kind of clustered with like the Ian Heinishes, uh, the, the Omari Akhmedov fights, like fighters and like that, but the Brandon Allens of the world, like, Two wins, he could be thrown in there right away, and I wouldn't complain just because he's fought in some high-level fighters outside of the U.S. already. Of course, Giga Chikadze, I've been a big proponent of him. I think he's absolutely awesome. The problem is he doesn't have that big, spectacular win, uh, style, like stylistic-wise, that we all think he could. I have been calling for him to fight Edson Barbosa ever, ever since Edson Barbosa dropped featherweight. It absolutely breaks my heart that they're on the same card and they're not fighting each other. So, fingers crossed. That fight happens, and of course, Tracy Cortez is an Arizona girl. I'm from Arizona. She trains at Fight Ready. Uh, she said she's been difficult, especially because our home state is one of the worst in terms of dealing with this pandemic, but she's making the best of it she can. She says she's, quote, doing prison workouts in, like, her backyard uh, to stay in shape. So those three names I have circled, especially Giga Chikadze, because I think he's just absolutely fantastic fighter. So I was a huge fan of him from his glory days. And if he gets a big spectacular win against Omar Morales, I think the sky's the limit in terms of his striking, especially his striking ability is just so fun to watch. I think, I don't think, I don't know if he'll ever be champion, but I think he's going to be one of these guys that we're going to have, he's going to be a must-see watcher moving forward. Yeah, that, that fight is crazy. Omar Morales is a massive, massive 45er. So it'll be interesting to see. Huge how Giga handles that. Cause I mean, his last fight was at 155. He could easily be a 55er, but he's dropping down to 45 for this one. AK, what say you? What's uh, what, what could steal the show here that not a lot of people are talking about? A lot of intrigue, a lot of intrigue. Uh, again, if we're looking at us uh, outside of the main card, uh, Impa Kasanganai and Joaquin Buckley, I mean, Buckley came out at like a wild man in his debut against uh, Kevin Hall came in on short notice and just came in th- looking to make an immediate impact. And there were several moments where you could have talked yourself into him uh, uh, beating Kevin Hall by knockout, but uh, Holland got out of there and, uh, and, and put actually put Buckley away in the third. So that was a great fight. And now Buckley faces uh, Impa Kasanganai who uh, is stepping on a short notice for Abu Azaitar. So uh, kind of a makeshift matchup, but one that I think uh, anyone who's keeping an eye on either of these guys has kind of thought, yeah, this matchup makes a lot of sense and could, and could happen now they're both in the UFC. So here we are uh, maybe ahead of schedule Kasanganai unbeaten 
uh, kind of still looking for a signature moment in his career. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a guy who wins decisions, especially when they're convincing. But, you know, that's not always what the UFC is looking for. They want to see that highlight moment. I think this fight with Buckley could produce it, for better or worse. Uh, I would I would favor Kasanganai, and I think that the 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 come-forward constantly style of Buckley uh, will be good for him, and he, maybe he'll, he'll get to find that finish. Uh, otherwise, I also uh, I got a shout-out. Uh, 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 sorry, Jose shouted out Tracy Cortez. I actually think her opponent, Stephanie Egger, who's stepping on, yeah. also stepping on a short notice, is really one to watch. I think people, she has a win over uh, Reina Mayora in in uh, Ryzen, uh, which was a big upset at the time. I remember, I remember when that when that happened. It was like, oh, geez, you know, you're kind of looking at the results the next day, and you're and you just assumed that uh, she was going to get walked over. But uh, she's inexperienced, but she's fought high level. She's also actually fought in Invicta as well. So uh, I think she's a, a really dangerous opponent, and she's almost a two to one underdog to uh, Tracy Cortez, which I think is insane. I think they're both a little too early in their careers uh, for either of them to be that heavily favored against anyone. So I think Stephanie Egger one to watch, and then I also just want to shout out very quickly. The heavyweight matchup between Chris Dacus and uh, Rodrigo Nascimento. Dacus, a very solid heavyweight prospect. And also, it'll just be fun to see because he weighed in at 227 pounds uh, at Friday's official weigh-ins. And, and uh, Nascimento came in at championship weight, as we are now calling it, championship heavyweight, uh, 265. So could be a classic-looking freak show fight when they step in there. And uh, you know we're all about that here. So, uh, yeah. What was, uh, what, was, what was Egerton's – what were the odds for that fight? The odds for Cortez? Uh, Cortez yeah. is a minus 190 favorite. So I should say, sorry, I should oh, say wow. uh, Cortez almost a two to one, which I think is insane. Because Tracy is tech, like she should be a flyweight. Like she's ta- she's fighting at Bantamweight now because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. last minute opponents and everything. But on the regional scene, especially in Arizona, mo- pretty much all of her, fi- actually all of her fights are 125. And Egerton has fought at 145. She's yes. so much taller than uh, Tracy Cortez. And Egerton is very, very honest with her. She's like, I need more experience, so. I, that's crazy to me that she's that big of an underdog. Yep. Yeah, my, my fight has to be the main card opener for me. Zalal versus Tapuria. It's a freaking scrap. I mean, Tapuria is a, a finishing machine. Right Very exciting prospect coming in to take on a surging contender in Yusuf Zalal, who is already on his second contract with the UFC after just making his debut in February. First to 3-0 in 2020 for the UFC. A lot of people quite confident that this guy is the future of the 145-pound division. I mean, Yusuf has been in there with some scrappy guys. The Jordan Griffin fight certainly sticks out, but this will be his toughest test in the octagon yet. But what I like about it is I think because of the short-notice nature of this fight, I think there's a lot less pressure on Yusuf, and that could lead to him just going out there and focusing on just having some more fun out there, fun on the feet. There's going to be some fun scrambles on the ground. I would be shocked if someone or both of these guys – don't get 50 G's tomorrow night. So I really like that fight. But uh, listen, if you have an under the radar fight at home, let us know in the comments section. Love to hear your feedback on that as we put a bow on another preview show here on MMAfighting.com. Of course, Jose over there, our boots on the ground. He'll have all the backstage interviews throughout the night. We'll have results, news, et cetera, from the event. So stick with us here at MMA Fighting for all things UFC Fight Island 5 and beyond. It's going to stream on ESPN+. Plus. As John Anik says, from wire to wire, from beginning to end, prelims begin at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, main card at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is beautiful compared to last week's crazy schedule and the late start of that freaking card. Not that you. 1030. It's like, who gives it? I was like, what are you talking about? It starts about? at midnight. It starts at midnight for me. I'm going to be out of this. I'm going to be leaving. I get to the arena. It's midnight at nighttime. And I leave the arena probably at like 7 in the morning, and it's like, the sun is out. It's the most bizarre yeah. feeling. You can get a lovely breakfast. Well, Jose, get some sleep, my man, because tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Until then, 
For Jose Youngs, Alex Kaylee, I am Mike Keck. Thank you for watching, and we will see you tomorrow night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.